Good day, friends. Welcome to the Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. I'm your host, Elcio Eber, transformational author, speaker, and life coach. Allow me to be a guide as you discover your higher self and your magic within. Good morning, Dr. Martin, and welcome to Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. I'm so happy to have you for the second time. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Very nice. Very nice. So coming back in to our second session, I think we had such a great session. I had a lot of positive response to our first podcast interview. A lot of the, the feedback was that you and I seem to have the ability to make a connection, um, you know, consciously and spiritually, and that led to some interesting conversations. And I'm hoping maybe we can explore from there a little bit and just kind of have casual conversation that goes anywhere you would like to go and talk about anything you'd like to talk about. Fair enough. So when I, when I usually come for the ocean of consciousness, I like to come from a space of assisting the transition that happened, I believe, into that we, we are seeking as individuals as we begin to start to search for ourselves in the world and much young people is first you know education career life and family and so forth and at some point that goes full circle to where you start to really tune into who you are and to make peace with who you are and from there then your eyes open up a little bit differently and you look at the world from a now let's say balanced place and a place of light and love and those five states to me is, you know, going from the ego state of consciousness into the self-awareness state of consciousness, the subconscious state of consciousness, the unconscious state of consciousness, and the nothingness of source consciousness state. And the four principal points along that point is that I try to work with the clients in life coaching is unconscious incompetence. You're not aware of something that you're, you're, you don't know, and you, because you don't know that you don't know, you're unable to make an improvement to anything of your life that is currently in balance. That leads you to a point of conscious incompetence. You now are consciously aware of what is not working, what you need to improve on, and what you need to do in order to make that transition to become consciously competent of yourself and from that place then be able to grow into an unconscious competent state where it becomes second nature and you don't have to think about the processes that leads you, let's say, into a very stillness of spider meditation or for that balanced part of spirituality because those stepping stones or those processes of principles are now so part of you that you become unconscious competent, which leads you to, you know, called sourceful consciousness or leading back into that nothingness state. So from that state of helping others to grow, and that's why I ended up with the name Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness. You know, sometimes we look at the topic we covered last time, and I, forgive me for pulling you into this here, but the race conversation that we have between us and our, our ethnicities and our age and all of these differences that we had. Um, a lot of the, the positive feedback that I got from our last interview had to do with that conversation and how from that conversation we... Um, we very comfortably were able to point our moral compasses to a direction of where we should be tomorrow for the betterment of 
the world as we move forward versus holding on to hatred and anger and oh, he's just an old white man and he's just a black man and all of these differences that we have that does not allow us to have love and light that is creational love and light in our heart to grow as a world society. We start to have limitations upon that, that level of growth. What has been your experience in that field of the race conversation, the social justice conversation and so forth? I want to talk about something that happened within the last um, week, two weeks, that really I had a hard time wrapping my brain around it. And that has to do with the discussion that's now national about reparations for um, former slaves. And that would include not only black people, but indigenous peoples and anyone else who was found themselves under involuntary servitude. And that upset me. Not the fact that reparations is not warranted. That didn't bother me at all. And I think I mentioned to you that we, um, as the white race, have a very long and well-documented history of subjugating others. And so... I understand. I understand if there is um, hard feelings, if if there are animosities that go back for generations and generations, because we we brought this on ourselves. We did it. We have to own up to it. But how should this take place? What is the way that we should level the playing field and make things right? And Uh, promote justice for all, not only for the subjugated peoples, but for the ones that are alive today, who are the the descendants of those who subjugated others. I, I kind of got the feeling that came to me was, I am being punished for something that was done way before I was even born. Yeah, very true. I didn't that did not sit well with me. But at the same time, I understand the need. So where, where's the balance? Where should we go? Before I, I, I dive into it with you, I, I must say that I, I'd wanna, I would want to approach this for me then from a perspective like I did in the beginning when I said from the work I do as a life coach and teaching the art of self-cultivation and self-transformation and how I, I would bring it from a place of love and light, a healing place that can maybe help the world. And, and, and I, because I don't have a political affiliation or a, a direct race side that I'm choosing when I, I, I choose to speak of these types of things. And that's just by choice so that I, I always can stay pure of spirit and not entangled into it. Now, as a person of color that experienced a lot of these racial and racist attacks of the various ways that you speak of, of that show up in social injustices across the world. I have to say across the world because, yes, yeah, so it's, it's an American conversation of current affairs, this reparation for all enslaved people by, the, let's say, the American government at that point. But I say across the world because it, it's something that happened all over. But, you know... 
I hear you when you say you're being punished for something you didn't do. And so when I, I took that pause, is because I, I would want to enter this from a point of saying, I, I feel what would be most beneficial for us at this point as humanity to move forward would be first acknowledging what happened, the period in which it happened. I agree. Because only from having these difficult conversations of facts and truth and history and getting everyone that's involved in the so-called financial outcome of this reparation to then take part into that journey in themselves to learn of this history versus just these bursts of randomness that comes out when someone wants to create fire on a particular topic to, to take something in a direction to cause people to stir. It has to be something that is, would affect generations to come. It's like the acts itself has affected generations. You're a result of that because you're experiencing something that you didn't take part in, but genetically you're connected to people that might or might not have directly been slave owners at some point in time. And so, so to break that cycle, I truly believe we all have to embark on this discovery of ourselves and as a society, as a government, as a moral standpoint to what we, we feel is, is justified and moving forward to the, the discussion at hand, which is reparation of some sort that can create a beginning turn into a transformation of a, a life then that is balance is justice for all and we see the blooming of the world and I hate to push that term, but you know that's what to me it means when you say make America great again is it, fixing the things and talking about the things that are, are just wrong it doesn't mean it's broken it just means I think as a people as an American unified people we have lost our ways under the one umbrella that once sheltered us and quite frankly maybe it wasn't just rain, <laughs> rain that fell on the umbrella but now we have to we have, we have to work together to patch those holes and we have to work together to come together as a people and grow through this. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with sexual orientation you have. It has nothing to do with your financial status, your family you're from. It should have to do with who we are as human beings living in this world, participating in this country's development forward. I think expands out more than just the country. This is really, like, I think you mentioned it already, this is a global issue. You know, it is, but, uh, you know, that's why I mentioned it that way, because, you know, it allows us to jump from two pools of conversations, because you know, we can speak of it from our perspective here within the U.S., and then we could jump into an international pool, and we can start to look at, well, how does our decision, how does the outcome of what we decide affect the flow into the currents of the world that when it reaches Europe and England and all of the European countries and South Africa and Asia and India, it starts to bring about a change that has long been expected, that has long been coming. You know, we're talking about the light that is upon us that once casted upon the darkness, the darkness cannot hide nor can it find a footing to cast a shadow upon the light. So with that truth, it, it, I think we, we, we have to explore the facts that sadly, you know, yes, there was slavery, but historically speaking, it, it was a, a business affair and it was an expansion of a global 
society that was being formed as best as it could at that point in time, but it was always trade and transactions. And unfortunately, the, the term being a slave is nothing new, nor is it nothing singular to the, the Native Americans or the African population. This is something that had existed upon the world and humanity. Which was inherited, by the way. That's, I wanted to bring that up. This is something that's thousands of years old, and it just was handed down from generation to generation. And I think we're quite fortunate in the mid-1800s that issue was put to rest at least in, in our culture. Yes, I mean, that, that, that's, that's when we say we can jump into the two pools of analysis because we have to not forget it still exists in the world. And that, that what exists is... Yes, that's right. The terminality of a common slave, like you call it a house slave or a house servant or, you know, however they, it's termed, that degree of oppression still exists. And it, it, it's such an ingrained into the doctrine and the fibers of society that it exists in marriages, it exists in the man is dominant over the female. It's no longer a balance of, you know, the two patriarchs together, is that the, the male has the power over the female. And from there, the, the kids learn. So then you end up with all of these other trickle-down problems that we, that's what we have to talk about that difficulty because it brings us into, we're gonna talk about the, the reparation of a people from oppression then people are still oppressed. So, you know, we can't go back to 300 years, but maybe things we can change today could free shackles and chains for those that are currently enslaved. Let me muddy the waters here quite a bit. Yes, let's do it. Think about enslavement. We got rid of it. We have um, the Emancipation Proclamation. We have laws on the books. It's no longer legal. But what forms can slavery take? And I'm, I will contend that we are still enslaved, all of us, to a system that oppresses the entire population. Enslaving, I'll give you a perfect example. Young people today who are graduating from college have such a tremendous debt load hanging over their heads, they can't buy homes. They're fearful to start a family and to to start a life because they've got this huge burden that they that that they can't get rid of and it will carry it will haunt them till the day they die that is a form of enslavement pure and simple and unadulterated we are still enslaved is that not true oh very much so the, the, the question will, will take us back to the beginning when, when I was trying to state the five states of consciousness, you know, because when you ask, are we still slaves? And we're talking of this coming from physical enslavement that, you know, you were property or you were owned, you didn't have a voice or rights. You were even a thing to when you then you saying this proclamation happened and now, okay, you are have a rights, partial rights of citizenship, but that means then you have to say that to accept this citizenship, I agree to these terms of the citizenship. So without knowing it, you go back into slavery or under contract of a different type of form. And that plays out ever since you're a baby and then you're stuck into the world of entertainment and television and 
all these media things that can lead you in one direction. Now, with today's modern help of the internet, it's much more streamlined. And you know, I'll give you an example because you know, being U.S. resident with origins to the Dutch West Indies, I understand slavery very well, and I understand the illusion of freedom very well, and how people can say, "My country, my land," and not really conceptually understand that when you were set free from slavery, you had an option: swim. If you are able to get a boat, get on a boat and take your freedom elsewhere. Or if you stay, you're accepting citizenship, a passport, nationality. You're going to learn our language. You're going to learn our culture. You're going to accept our ways and you'll find your way in our society. So, you know, I come from a place where people then today think it's our country, our land. We got it from slavery, but they don't really understand. It's like an offshore asset for the, the kingdom of the Netherlands. The king of Holland, these are all his offshore assets. They don't own the land. They just live there and pay taxes. And so that, that's brings down to what you think you're, you're saying, are we free? We are free to exist within the construct that those laws and those constitutions and those social and political structures create for us as mirrors and walls, but the home that we live in then is not really ours, or free to be ours. We have limitations, we just are not aware of it because no one ever said, hey, this is the, this is the flip side to accepting our constitution or accepting our, our citizenship to this country is that these are the rules you live under. We think about how frequently laws are upgraded, changed, and passed in Congress and that affects people's day-to-day -day lives that they just don't know of that are much more than just what the Constitution was. Things have changed so much and it's continuously changing as cases come up and things grow. But do you think the average citizen understands in depth those laws or did they just cross the road because the sign on the other side when they push the button says green, go? And they, they know if they don't or they, they run a red light, they get a ticket or something. You know, let's bring it down to a basic law. So we talked about, you know, macro and micro in this thing. It's like we are aware of these, these basic things we need to get by it. And then we, we choose to think we don't need to know all these rest things or it's too much to know for the thing and then still live a life of pleasure, of leisure. And I don't think society was created for us to really have that type of freedom. <laughs> and... The structure of what we're experiencing now is more people becoming consciously aware of themselves or, you know, the, the, the spirit of creation is awakening within many people today. And that is causing an internal burst of self-awareness and consciousness and connection to source and spirit that counteracts the, the moving components and mechanisms of the structure of that system that oppresses us and oppresses not just our bodies, but our minds and it, even the way we think and process things sometimes because some of us that are connected to spirit have broken that chain and link connection internal and that's frustrating for the system. And some of us are so engulfed in it that you can't reach them with reason. You can't reach them with history. You can't reach them with truth because they just would say, this is how it is. This is what it is. And you just have to follow suit or you'll, you know, 
fall behind or something. So yeah, answer your question in short and long. Yeah, we are still in some form or the other enslaved and the slave masters are just having a little disagreement at the table <laughs> at a global level. Mm. We the people then feel the shake of that table. <laughs> but I think what we're seeing across the planet is, is just segueing into what, um, what you mentioned is that we are becoming more enlightened. We have, um, for example, Britain voted to leave the EU because it was not in their economic best interest to stay there, and they were upset with the system. I think my own opinion is that Trump was elected primarily to break things, and I keep telling people that his job description was to tear things apart, to drain the swamp. We have France, we have the Yellow Vests going still protesting in France, and that has actually expanded out and is sort of global. There have been many countries that have adopted what's going on, and the people are clamoring to get out from under this oppression. That's what's happening on a global level. So that if we look, if we, if we back up and go back and look at things from a broad perspective, going back hundreds and hundreds of years, we were tribal. And then uh, back in the 1700s, nation states came into being and we are, uh, and feudalism fell apart, but we are, we are living under the vestiges now of nation states who may, or what may have um, outlived their usefulness. Yeah, I was just going to try to say, I don't even resonate from that place. See, so... I am a global citizen. No, I, I get what you're saying with that. When we talk of politics and, and Trump and these things, so it, it's a lot... See, I feel for us to get into the place we need to be, that's the first thing that needs to begin. You know, if we go from being unconscious, incompetently enslaved and we start to to spark an awareness from within with with the spirit of god and creation of light you know in conscious incompetence then we start to become consciously competent so somewhere in between there is where this governmental military economical social injustices that hover the global world and infringes upon the freedoms of humanity and individuals to live a sovereign life of exploration spiritually in the body and not slave the body to an external master that is not concerned of the health and well-being of each individual. And what that means then is, of course, turning that light inside and becoming spiritually attuned. So that's the first change that we start to break for ourselves. The question is, can we can we convince others that they are the lock and the key and inside of them is the same light and they can break those chains for themselves. And that fact, you know, if it's a mental construct and a consciousness thing, emotional, the external world isn't where that battle has to be fought. It's individually on an internal perspective, on a spiritual plane where man has to cleanse himself. And then when he returns to the body, enlightened in the light of the Lord, he can move the world from that space of light. 
but that's a battle of light and darkness, which manifests itself as a physical, systematic world that, you know, almost like what people fear with giving too much sentient consciousness to computers because you start to then lose that creative authority over your creation. <laughs> and for many of these higher systems, they see us just as below system. So that's a big gap between where they, I'm not saying it's right or wrong for anyone to have a perspective, but I'm just saying those who run the world have a conscious perspective that they are at a certain height in their consciousness and forward thinking that those that they haven't been enslaving for thousands of years, you know, i.e. The, the, the everyday people of the world, that that's not a gap that will be filled overnight between the elite lead in consciousness and the guy at the bottom. So somewhere in between, there has to be a process of equalizing it somehow. And therein is where then the walls of, of governments fall, the walls of, of imprisonment fall, the walls of, you know, all these things start to fall and we start to come down to basics. And I think that brings us back to your topic of reparation and what it, it should look like and what it should mean. And when you have a, such a, an opportunity in these times to be able to, to say even that you can discuss the, the concept of reparation as an oppressed people, as an option to move forward. And that's why I say we should first then look at the, the history and the education of what really happened. And which is what you were trying to explain is that it's been this long time control thing that we've been going on at the back end of the, the legal world that exists that the everyday person was never meant to really be a part of. I just had an epiphany. Sure. I remember vividly when the Berlin Wall fell and watching that unfold and in my mind having difficulty wrapping myself around what was happening because it was almost it was an impossibility yeah because we were born into or i was i was born into the the cold war and the iron curtain and, and that whole construct and i never thought for a second that we would see such a, a dramatic change so quickly so i just it just occurred to me we're talking about reparations and I'm, I'm going wow i never thought that would happen i never thought that 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 topic would even come up and be whispered much less become a national dialogue so that in and of itself is a form of enlightenment yeah then that's it that's a transformation when you told me that I was like, what do you mean? And, and I, I didn't know if you were joking with me or not, because I've never heard it being brought forth at such a national level. It's always been a whisper in the background that it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, under the cover of darkness. No one ever talked about that. It was, it was too much of a taboo subject. And now it's out in the open. And we're talking about it. Yeah. And it's unsettling. And it has to be unsettling. I think we have to feel that discomfort because it's a lot to take in. And that's what I'm trying to say. There is a certain distance between the concept of consciousness and, and what the world is. And so I, I like to, if you say, if you look at it as a global citizen, then I like saying we have to do away with the concept of nationalities and border limits and start to think of the sphere of the earth 
first her health her wellness and all of the masses and all of the creation that exists within her existing force and not just our created society that we delete the landmass for to build and, and become more consciously aware of ourselves we then exist face you know so it's not about money and, and property and ownership and status in society and we start to look at how can we as as a unified world raise our consciousness so that the whole world heals and in that healing it, it, it resonates from within a frequency that transforms and transmutes all life and that's we say first there was the word but the word was made to sound sound resonated across the universe and creation became i think we are part of that in a, a micro level and that's the grander scale of what the world is and should become if we can leave weapons behind arm behind slavery behind oppression behind racism behind we can leave all of these things behind but not because we were forced to not because we were made to but because we looked within cleansed ourselves and made a conscious decision a choice to from that place hold hands and move forward to life i look at this together as one as one one i look at this as uh, the the bi biblical admonition to become an adult to leave it uh, time comes when you leave childish things behind and you grow up and this is these are growing pains. Yeah, yeah. and that's why the the like you said the the difficult but the conversation that we have to have. And the same way you and I can have it as a black man and as a white man and as a you know you're sixty something I'm forty two. So there's an age difference there, but we find ourselves resonating around a singular topic, and and, and you know so which means we can all do it. We can all of us can hold hands and resonate in one singular point and without yelling at each other what a novel idea that would be i know <laughs> so that's to me is the best use of reparation versus handing out checks to people it should be more about social justice breaking down all these barriers you know education should just be provided because without it then we can't have the, the medical aspect we can't have the health we can't have the social development so we have to build our infrastructure and if we take out charging for it, then we don't have to take out earning for it. We could just start developing because it's the love of our hearts and it's what we do. And whatever we choose to do is provided for us because we provide for the earth. And we, we, we then eliminate many barriers and many things and we don't say, hey, that's a white man and that's a black man and that's an African and that's an American and that's a British and that's a Jew. You know, so we, we start to, to leave these things behind and you start to look at someone in the eye and you say, I feel you, my brother. I feel your heart. I feel your life. Greetings, welcome. That, that is powerful versus saying, oh, he's a white man, maybe from the South, he kind of talks funny. You know, I'm limiting who you are because of the cues that I'm programmed to, to kind of pick up on. <laughs> I never wanting to go beyond that. I just see that, but I was never that. So I saw you for who you are and then we just kind of connected from there. But can, can, how can we, how can you and I as an, be an example to the world that we can say, hey, this can, this, you, you too can have this type of communication with each other? Wouldn't it be 
I don't think the problem. Let it, let it go where it goes. Let it go where it goes. I don't think the problem lies with people. In my in my practice, I have white people. I have black people. I have Christians. I have Muslims. I have Buddhists. I have the entire spectrum. I have heterosexual, homosexual, you name it, and they cross my path. And each one of us relates one to the other on an equal footing with mutual respect and mutual admiration and mutual assistance to help each other. And I'll give you a good example of this. When we had our... um, that windstorm here and our power went out about two, a couple months ago. And uh, my wife wanted me to run down to Starbucks. Of course, priorities. We had no electricity, <laughs> no internet. We had nothing, but we got to have our coffee. That's a true Seattleite, right? So I run down to Starbucks and it was standing room only. Nobody else had any power. So it took me 30 minutes to get from the outside to go through the line and to get up front uh, to make my order. And then I, I sat down and literally was standing room only in the whole, uh, the whole store there. But everybody was, it was such a community. It was wonderful. Everybody was talking to each other. They were helping each other. Somebody would yell out, well, we have power. Oh, we got power over at this area. And then somebody across the store would go, yay, that's where I live. And they would pass things back and forth and, and help each other. And it was, it was fantastic. And a murmur went through the room that so-and-so was coming to help. And then a few minutes later, I saw this guy come in and he walked behind the counter and he put on one of the aprons and he looks at the manager and he says, I don't know where anything is. Just tell me what you need done. And they, they went from that vantage point. And I found out that guy didn't work there. He wasn't employed. He had worked in a Starbucks and he knew the drill, but he wasn't an employee. He was just friends. And they was, he was a friend helping friends. And that's what we do. So wherein lies the problem? If, if people relating to people can get it right, then where's the problem? It must lie with our institutions. Maybe government's the problem. Maybe our financial system is the problem. The government can't be a problem because the government is, is not a thing. It's just, you know, if, 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 it, if, it's true that that's, if it's true that it's people that's running the government, then the government itself is not a problem. It's the people that run the government. The, problem. the people that are not running the government, but the government runs itself as a true system. Then it, that's a whole different discussion. Because then we are first have to establish how that came to be between this. Well, I, I, I want to disagree with you there just a little bit. I, in my brain, in myself, I separate myself and everybody else, all the citizens of the United States or who, whatever country, I separate myself from the government. I am not the government. No, but yes, you're a legal citizen in the country. I am a citizen. Yeah, so that, I, that number that identifies you connects you to that governmental system. You're obligated. That's what I was saying to you earlier, without knowing it, that rights to be, that social security, that passport number, 
that birth certificate that you had to go and register, your mother had to register you as a baby to the system, basically unwillingly and unknowingly signed you up to legally be controlled and led by the government in any which, which way. It, the framework for how it comes out as to say you have Capitol Hill and you have local governments and you have school systems and you can make a choice to go ahead of education is really in itself an illusion. But the fact that you have, the only rights you have is that number, the ID that says, hey, your rights to, to citizenship. And that citizenship connects you to that system and that system that you're connected to then has the controlling factor at all which points, whether it's taxization or laws that it enforces, or it can change those laws. We try to structure and say we flow around the Constitution at the basis of the law, but that's what I said, every day that law fluctuates, like a, a rhythmic sound, it goes in and out. It changes, but those citizens that have just a citizenship they don't have a controlling rights, you know, and that's what they, you have these elections and you, you, you can get into these political parties and you start having all this. But those aren't the things that make the changes. Those aren't the, those votes don't make the real decisions. <laughs> so therein lies the deeper problem. It's a bigger, it's a, it's a layered government that's layered in such a, a deeper way that the average person thinking they're voting, they're paying taxes and they're participating in the lower end of the, the physical governmental structure that they understand does not see and understand that that is not really the controlling force of the world. Well, not all of the country, but let alone the world, which it has to have other external international connections that makes the world flow in such a sense. Think back to 9-11, if you will. That was a highly emotionally charged um, time for, for the entire planet. The outpouring of compassion from the entire planet toward the United States has never been greater than that period of time. And then following that, there was a lead up to war. And if you will remember, the, essentially the entire planet was against going to war. It was everywhere. Millions upon millions upon millions of people protested universally. Don't do this. This is not right. We do not want this to happen. And then look what happened. In violation of what everybody on the planet, what the citizens wanted, the government started a war. And we're still dealing with the aftermath of that even, even today. So I do not identify with that. I am not the government. The government did that. I didn't do that. You didn't do that. The government initiated that. Now, do I have to accept responsibility for that? Yes. Do I want to? No. I didn't do it. I didn't want it. So therein, that, um, that's what I'm, what I'm trying to get across to you. We are not the government. No, I understand that part very clearly. My, my point, though, and it was just for clarity when we talk of consciousness and freeing the conscious mind from that construct of everything that you just explained, is that at the end of the day, to exist in this society, you, you need that citizenship. You need that rights to exist. That simple rights to exist makes you a structural part of the, the governmental system that exists, and you cannot help but be a supporting arm in that governmental decision that you have no choice in. 
doesn't that then come back to the big fight about the wall between Mexico and all these things and then, you know. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started on that. No, but that's what I'm trying to say. That that's where these things start to flow into different places. Because if people can get, like you said, that day in Starbucks, if people can be like that, then we can be like that with our naming. But it takes internal work on individuals for that kind of love and light to spread through the world. And, and that's uh, why when we talk about the individual's decision, they have to do that internal work one by one. Whoever they may be, wherever they may be, however structural they come from, each person has to work on themselves for that coffee shop scenario to work on a national and global scale. Yeah. Because you say we are not the government, but you know, our sons and daughters pull the triggers for those governmental decisions in other countries and come home wounded, hurt, or forever traumatized and then forgotten about and cast aside. And then the young ones are just taken and sent to another new war that you didn't want to vote for, but it still ends up being, and we just need bodies to serve the, the military force. And so we just send a couple new ones, put out the sick ones out to the side, and it's just a filtration system. So really, we have to consciously become aware of ourselves and the decisions we make in the world. And if we as citizens don't have that right to make decisions that make the changes and all these voting and all these elections, don't really affect anything, then it, we have to be alarmed of something greater. <laughs> and we have to then have a deeper conversation with ourselves first and then learn who we can trust to have that external conversation where that it, it becomes change in the world that we start to have. Arm in arm, you know, without, not arm in arm meaning uh, military arm, but just hand in hand. Yeah. Your hand, my hand together. We, we, like you said, we sing a song of grace and love and we, that's why I, I have this new singing bowl that I got, this Tibetan singing bowl. And I resonate. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so it's like, you know, we have to, if we can all get on that frequency of love, light, harmony, guidance, spirit, we, we can get past all of those things and, you know, find, find the best way that we can coexist and not have to be one better than the other. And, and that, that's where, where it's dangerous because you get into the conversation of structurally changing the economical system to, to really be non-existent and, and have other forms of merits for, for, for life and for the works of your life. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. It was truly a pleasure to be your guide. Please do join us next time for another eye-opening episode. Until then, please remember to thread water lightly and always be kind and loving to self. Thank you.